So what exactly is Vegemite? Well, Vegemite is a spread that was invented in Australia in the 1920s by brewers who added spices and vegetables to the yeast extract that was left over in the beer brewing process. People will commonly put Vegemite on crackers or toast and has sort of a salty and slightly bitter taste. Alex would certainly recommend that you try it if you ever visit the land down under. And of course, she tasted it when she was there because as she puts it, Because it's Australian and it was cool. This is Destinations Beyond Expectations. In the world of travel, things are constantly changing. There's always something to learn about the places we go. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Destinations Beyond Expectations, a podcast designed for students of travel. What's going on? This is your host, Stevie G, and you are listening to DBE, the podcast that is designed for students of travel. Make sure to go check out Destinations Beyond Expectations on Facebook and Instagram. And if you enjoy the show, go hit that follow or subscribe button wherever you are listening. Have you thought about trying Amazon Prime? Well, you can get a free 30-day trial just for listening to this show. In the show notes, there will be a link to try Amazon Prime. Go click it and you can experience all the perks of being a Prime member. All right, let's get to this week's show. Last week, my friend Alex Collins joined the show to tell us all about her amazing trip to Australia and New Zealand, and she is back this week to break down the second half of her adventure. A quick recap of the first episode, her group took Air New Zealand on an incredibly long flight and found their way to the Great Barrier Reef. They continued their journey and ended up exploring Karanda, where Alex got to hold a little koala. The group then made their way to the Tapukai Cultural Park to learn all about Aboriginal traditions and culture before finally arriving in Sydney to do a walking tour, visit the National Opal Collection, and explore the Taranga Zoo. All right, so let's stay in Sydney to pick up where we left off. All right, now on to day seven. All right, day seven was the big day. Ooh. This was the opera house and another excursion that I was like very nervous about. So we started the day by going to the opera house. I was I was fascinated because I, I always thought that like the opera house had like the one place you went in and you watched your thing and then you left. But there's like multiple different things that could be going on there. So the um, the inside, I mean, you can see like the the curves, like from the inside on the ceiling, and it's very open and um, like beautiful. And you can go outside and stand on the on the ledge and like see the harbor and the bridge on the other side. But there was just a man that kind of took us through. He let us go in and sit in one of the theaters, but we weren't allowed to take pictures in there. Bummer. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got a chance to just kind of like look through and he just told us like seating facts and I'm not going to lie. I don't remember all of the seating facts that he told us, but yeah, it was just kind of cool. We got to like go through, we got to, there was a gift shop and you know, all of that stuff, the regular touristy things. Did you get to go on any of the stages or backstage anywhere on this tour? 
we did not get to do that. Um, we only got to go in and just like see the auditoriums, but we didn't get to do any of behind the scenes things. I don't know if that was like a separate, I'm sure that that's an option, but that's not something that we were offered whenever we were there. What was your impressions actually inside? Was it what you thought it would be? Was it, um, did it fall short maybe of your expectations or were you impressed by it all? I was very impressed by like the, the ceilings. There was a lot of like glass and wood stuff happening on the ceilings. Um, but it was definitely, I mean, it was not at all what I was expecting. Cause like I said, I thought you just walked in and it was this like huge, like, you know, Rockefeller center situation. And it wasn't, I was like, Oh, there's tiny theaters located within it. So I was, I think I was like, still soaking that up like after we'd seen like theater seven because i'm like there's seven things in here like what in the world so i was definitely i think my expectations were just totally shifted because it wasn't at all what i thought it was going to be but it was beautiful and i i wish i could go and actually like watch something in there interesting did you grab anything at the gift shop on your way out i did not which is shocking because i love to buy things even if i don't need them so (laughs) Okay, so you go and do this tour of the Sydney Opera House, and what is next? Next is an optional excursion. So for anyone who didn't want to do this excursion, which a lot of people did not, they had the rest of the day to just do whatever they wanted. Um, I, along with of the like 50 or whatever people was on this tour, I think there were like 12 of us that opted to do this. Um, it was climbing the Sydney Harbor Bridge, climbing to the top. I'm not, I'm not a heights person, so I don't even know what made me sign up for this, but, uh, we, we started to walk to the, to the, um, bridge. And when you got there, um, I think it was called Skywalk, maybe. Um, whenever we got there, we had to wait cause we had like tickets cause it's like an hourly thing. Cause you can only send so many people up at once. So there was like already people out on the bridge. So we just kind of sat and like waited. And I was like getting more and more nervous, like every second. Um, and there were pictures on the walls, like when we were waiting of all the celebrities that came and, and did it. I'm trying to think there were some that I knew, but I, I don't remember who was on the pictures now. Um, but once it was time, we went upstairs. They gave us our suits. We had to wear like these really heavy duty wind suits. Then we had to hook up headphones. We had to hook up like all this zip line equipment because we were like literally climbing on this bridge. And then they also gave us like, I don't remember. I think we just had to wear like sneakers because we, we had to have closed toed shoes. Um, they took us into a room and we had to put all of our things in a locker. We had to sign a million waivers, to sign our life away in case, you know, anything goes wrong as with any high risk event. And then we had to watch several videos on safety and you know, what to do in the event of kind of situation. So then I was having more heart attacks <laughs> and then they had to do a health screening and they had to do a breathing screening because of how high up we were going. So we were all ready to go. We had our gloves on. He gave us a rain jacket in case it rained, which we'll get to that in a minute. Oh boy. And then <laughs> we head outside. So at this point we've already ridden an elevator up. We're at the main base of the top of the bridge. So you have to think there's the bridge where the cars ride on. And then there's the arches. We were climbing up the arch. So we were going to be above the cars. How are you feeling um, at this point? Like, are your emotions running high? Are you scared? Are you like, I'm already I'm this? I'm like back tears, man. Oh, no. I'm like terrified. So um, 
I'm trying to think. There's if you go if, like if you're interested, it's called Bridge Climb, not Skywalk. It's called Bridge Climb. Um, whenever we got out there, we were hooked up onto the, you know, the the zip line. So my brother and I went first. We were in the front of the line. So we started to like actually climb the bridge. We stopped. We smile. We got our picture taken. The opera house is like way down there behind us, the teeny tiny little thing. And then he's like, okay, like take about 25 steps up and then we'll, we'll finish getting the group pictures and then we'll keep going. So my brother and I are standing there. It's just us. We see this big flash and we're like, whoa, that camera has like a big flash. And all of a sudden the sky like just turns black and like starts to like get storm clouds. And I was like, I don't think that was the camera. We're standing on a huge metal bridge. I'm like, this is not good. So it starts downpouring, like lightning everywhere. So he's like, okay, everyone back down the ladders. I was like, no, (laughs) I don't want to go back down the ladder. I couldn't get up it. So we had to all like rush back down the ladders, get off the bridge and like wait under the bridge, like in the, like in like a shelter area. And we waited out the storm. Thank God, because if the storm wouldn't have moved, he would have had to cancel and at that point, I was still so freaked out. I don't know that I would have, like, had the nerve to do it again. I just needed, like, to be able to do it that night and, like, tell myself I could do it. So we waited for about 45 minutes under the bridge, waited for this storm to, like, ride out. And then we got back up, had to climb up the flipping ladder again. It was awful because I hated the ladder. <laughs> and then after we got up, uh, we continued our climb. It was getting higher and higher and higher. And then whenever we got to the top, we had to cross over from the one side of the bridge to the other side. And we walked on a piece of like a plank of wood. Like, I mean, it was obviously like secure, but it was very, very narrow. And there was not like a fence that like touched the ground. It was like the the wood plank and then like a pole and then the fence. So like I could like sit down and like hang down off of this thing if I wanted to. Like if you fell, you were like, sorry. Yeah. Um, I had so much fun. I am so glad I did it. I was freaking out all day, like freaking out. And I'm, I, if I ever go back, what would I am going to go back? I'm going to do it again. Like I'm gonna, I can't wait to do it again. It was great. So really quick, I want to ask that storm, it kind of snuck up on you guys. Right. And is that like typical of the weather? Do you know in Sydney or that uh, part of Australia? So it's, uh, no, I don't think it's normal for storms to creep up like that. Like it's normally pretty, like you can usually track it very well. And there was like a chance of rain and they kept emailing saying like, you know, you had the, in the event of like inclement weather, like you will be refunded. Like your climb will be canceled. You have to be, it has to be a dry climb. You can't be like on a, on, you can't, it can't be raining. So like, I was like, no, we're going to have to cancel this. And, like, we would have gotten our money back because we had not even, like, done the climb yet. They would have refunded us. But luckily, the we were able to ride out the storm and, and figure it all out. Cool. So you have this great experience climbing the bridge. Um, is there anything else you're able to accomplish on this day? Um, that was it for the day. It was really late whenever we got back. And it was funny because... I can't say really late. It was like seven o'clock by the time that we left. But by that time, there weren't any new things we were going to do. We had to grab a meal because we had uh, like we didn't have a planned dinner. And there was a place called Hungry Jack's, which was Burger King. It was literally Burger King. But in Australia, they call it Hungry Jack's. Hmm. It's the 
They've got the Whopper. They've got the same exact logo, bags, everything. Do they have a Vegemite burger? I don't know. Th- that I don't know. That's okay. interesting. I don't know. Um, we had had this Hungry Jacks in the airport, and we had to get it another day because they're like all over the place. It's like when we see McDonald's and Starbucks here, like it's Hungry Jacks over there. Um, everything was closed like so early. I was like, how was the city closed at like 7.30 p.m.? It was so weird to me because I think of like, you know, oh, we're closing down at 1 a.m. So like everywhere that we went to grab dinner that night, like things were closed. It was a weekday, like maybe the weekends they stay open a little bit later. But we were walking and I was like, I don't care what we eat as long as it's not Hungry Jack's. And they were like, oh, there's all Hungry Jack's around the corner. I was like, oh, no, (laughs) third night of Jack's. So we got some Hungry Jack's. Was Again. it was it at least decent? Like, was it? Yeah, I mean, it was Burger King. I just got like a Whopper, but I was just like, oh, I want to eat like, you know, I want to eat like food from Australia. Which I realized on the trip, there's not really like an Australian cuisine. Like when I go to Italy, I'm getting pizza and pasta. Like when I'm going to Thailand next year, I'm getting Thai food. Like in Australia, I noticed that there was a very large Asian culture over there. Um, which I, I didn't realize like that was a big, that was a big culture shock thing for me was how, how much Asian culture was over there. But there was a ton of like really good Asian cuisine over there because a lot of people had businesses that over there, like that were Asian cuisine. You get like octopus on a stick, like just like real, like good Asian food. So that was very interesting. Cool. So we can, we can close the book on day seven. Close the book on day seven. Okie doke. On to day eight. Day eight. So Australia's done. We've seen Australia. Closing the books on that country. And we are flying back to Auckland, which is where we flew into at the beginning whenever we first landed from our Houston trip. So in Auckland, it was about, um, I think it was only about three hours. It wasn't a super long flight. Um, but we did have a little bit of waiting in the airport that day. So when we got there, uh, we only had one excursion for that day. It was a really cool excursion. Um, we went to something called the Agridome and the Agridome was, um, like a, it was like a sheepdog demonstration. So like, you know, that New Zealand is, well, maybe you don't like New Zealand is known for like their sheep and um, like a lot of the Ugg boot things come from either Ugg Australia or like New Zealand area. They make those boots. Can I ask a quick question? If you can remember where you are and, and what you were saying, I heard, I don't know if this is true or not, or, and maybe you can, can confirm. I don't know if it's like a fact you hear when you get in Australia and New Zealand. I heard uh-huh. there's more sheep than people over there. Is that true? Yes. <laughs> okay. That's true. At least in New Zealand, that's true. I didn't see any sheep in Australia, just where I was. But in New Zealand, they did tell us that there were tons of them. Um, And so whenever we went to the Agrodome, it was a super cool, like, demonstration. We went in, and it was like a kind of like a little like a little wooden auditorium. And we went and we sat down. And there were probably, like, nine sheep. They were huge, like, these things were ginormous and they were so like fluffy and they did a sheep shearing demonstration. So they like literally shear the sheep on the stage. They're like, I kind of felt bad. They're like flipping the poor guys around. Like 
and I know it doesn't hurt, but just the way that they're like handling them to like shear them, which they're used to it. But I'm like, oh, don't hurt him. <laughs> um, they weren't they they weren't hurt. I was just not used to seeing a sheep be sheared. Right. It was new to me. Um, but then they had a sheep dog that came and they did a little show. Like all the sheep were like laying down, and the dog would like climb up the sheep and climb down the sheep, and then it would like do tricks, and then like it was a very cute like excursion. It made us laugh. Um, after the show was over, you could hold the baby, like the little baby lambs. There were some dogs outside that you could go pet. You could interact with the animals. And then they did like a, a dog, uh, like a sheep herding demonstration outside. So there was a man with a whistle and he would whistle and the dog would herd all the sheep. And it was just really neat to see like how that, how that works. And I don't know how they train dogs to do that. So last time we chatted, I saw your dog, right? That, that was your dog? Yes. So you're a dog person. Yeah. I know that, you know, these sheep dogs and, you know, Australian cattle dogs, things like that, um, from that area, the, the herding dogs from that region of the world are incredibly smart. Was it impressive to watch them like up close and personal do their do their work? Oh, yeah, it was. I don't even like I can't even begin to like comprehend how they're trained and how they can understand that the they're like the person running it is blowing a whistle and depending on the tone of the whistle depends on what the dog does. And if he, if he blows it and it switches tunes, he like will turn a different way and the dog will turn a different way. And then the dog will know like, this is where I stop. And then whenever he blows again, he's like, okay, now I go. And I was like, what does this mean? Like, what do these whistles mean? It was, it was very cool. It has, I would imagine it takes a long time to train them to be so just like normal and consistent with, responding to those like calls was there yeah. anything else that stuck out uh you said it was called the agrodome the agrodome yeah was there anything else that stuck out about it um not i mean not in particular it was just very like i just i really enjoyed the show and it was a nice way to end a travel day because even though you don't do anything on a travel day when you're on a plane you're still like for some reason exhausted and it was nice to just not have to like be like, oh my gosh, you have to walk three miles. It was just sit down, watch this, enjoy it, and then like just relax and have fun. So that was nice. Day nine. Day number nine, we did the um, another Skyline gondola ride. Um, once you got up to the top, there was like those mountain coasters. You could get a helmet and you could go down and like you know, drive yourself down the mountain. So we all did that like a couple times because it was free. We could just do it. Um, and then we ate lunch there. We got some um, ice cream and just kind of like took pictures of the, like whenever you were up there, it was just like a, like a city view and we got to take pictures and that was really cool. How long, I guess, how long did you do that for? So we did that for probably like four hours that day. Um, and when we were done, we actually used the second half of that day to um after that we actually went to a jade a jade museum so we went to the opal museum in australia and then new zealand is known for their jade which is the green the green gem um and they did an introduction to like how they design their jewelry so we actually went to like the jewelry like the jewelry store and there was a little room inside that they took us into and we got to watch them cut the jade and like design it. And he talked about how they like place the stones. He didn't really talk much about how they 
found the stones and like how they got the jade. But um, we got to watch them actually design jewelry pieces. And he said like people come in and have requests and we, we cut the jewelry right here in the store. And then we got to walk around the store and, and like look at the jade, which was really cool. Some people bought some stuff. I did not, but there was a lot of cool like jade things that you could buy. That's interesting. I would have, I guess I never really realized how they like in Australia and New Zealand, how, you know, like the, the gems and the jewels are really part of what they do and, and a big industry for them. Yeah. I never, I had no idea until I went over there and experienced it. It was definitely cool and something I wouldn't have known had I not gone on the trip. So that was also another educational perk of going with EF. Like if I planned my own, I would have never been like, let's go to a Jade museum. Like I would have never thought to. So right. I, I also like that, you know, pre-made itinerary doing things I would have never thought of. Definitely. Uh, I got to ask, are you a Jade person or an Opal person or like, is there, can you pick between the two, I guess? I would pick Opal. I'm just not like, if I'm wearing jewelry, like Jade is like bright green and I usually don't have like bright, like, oh, I'm going to wear my bright green shirt today. So like Opal, you can just like match it with more. So from a female standpoint of, you know, accessorizing, I would go with the Opal personally. But um, the Jade did, um, he did say that there was like a lot of meaning behind Jade and there was like different symbols of, of things. So a lot of the guys bought a lot of the Jade because it was like, um, depending on the shape and the symbol of the jade that they bought, it had like a deeper meaning, like a symbolic meaning behind the necklaces. And so a lot of the guys got those and they wore those around, which was cool. That yeah. was really neat. That sounds awesome. So after the Jade Museum, what is your next stop? So after the Jade Museum, we actually are leaving Auckland and we're traveling to the last place on our, um, on our list of places called Rotorua which is um, leaving the city-ish aspect of Auckland and going to a very rural town. So we actually just traveled by charter bus. We didn't fly. Um, and it was about, I want to say it was like three hours. And when we got there, um, it was already dark out. Like the night was kind of over. The bus did stop um, at like a, just kind of like a view, like a viewing point. Um, Rotorua is known for being a town in a super volcano. And so there's huge craters everywhere. And the bus drove us to a crater. We were able to walk down inside of it and like walk back up it and then take a picture of like the whole city at nighttime with the lights on. Cool. Is there anything else you guys were able to do on day nine? Nope. That was it. We kind of crashed at the hotel after that. Um, actually that's a lie. This is the thing that I thought was the, the other night and it's not. Um, at nighttime, the, like, since it's a geothermal, like, village and a geothermal area, the minute that we stepped off the bus, it smelled of sulfur so bad because you're literally, like, in the volcanic spot. Like, it's still active. So, like, it was very strong smelling, and our clothes smelled like it when we got home. But that night, she said, like, um, we have free... Um, free spa passes if anybody wants to go over to the spa I was like I want to go over to the spa so we you know like basically everyone like got their swimsuits we walked over like the spa was right across the street from the hotel it was probably part of the hotel maybe um and they had like the the mud the mud baths and the mud waters from like the volcano they had like a 
hot stone path that you could walk across that was like heated by the ground. Um, so we got to swim in the like the volcanic waters and our swimsuits stunk of sulfur really bad when we left, but it was so good. My skin was so smooth and it was so like all the minerals was getting in there, so it was good. Kaleidoscope Adventures is having their second ever virtual event on October 15th at 8 o'clock p.m., so mark your calendars. This one is featuring marketing expert Cynthia Johnson, who will be talking about ways to build your personal brand. I had the pleasure of being the host on the last Kaleidoscope online event, and rumor has it that I might be hosting this one as well. I guess you'll have to sign up to find out. And speaking of signing up, You can do so by clicking the link in the show notes. When you register, you'll see a field to type in a promo code. Make sure to type in the letters DBE for a 40% discount to attend this event. Yes, we've upped it. It was a 20% discount, but it is now 40% off when you use the code DBE. Again, this event will be taking place on October 15th at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. And I can't wait to see you there. Day 10. This is um, a big day. Big day. This was super fun. So it, keep in mind, it's still chilly. So we are, you know, wearing our jackets, our pants, our like hats and our gloves at this point. But whenever we're, it was a little bit warmer in Sydney, I think, because of the tall buildings, like keeping the wind from like constantly getting us. But now that we're in like a more rural area, um, it was it was a lot colder. So the first thing on our on our stop for the day was a duck tour, um, and you know the like the land water thing. The duck so, boat, like the duck boats. Yeah, the duck boats. Yeah, so yeah. So yeah. we had um, it picked us up at the hotel, drove us around, you know, just showed us like different different areas of the city that we were in and you got you got that like the duck whistle thing you know the necklace that you get yes they have them over there too and we of course all like blew those like all day and it was driving everyone nuts of course you got to like it's too fun (laughs) yes so um we were on board for for probably like two or three hours they had a lot of one thing i noticed about both Australia and New Zealand was they had a very strong like Aboriginal culture like to them. And like, while not everybody embraced it, a lot more people embraced it than I, than I feel like we give that we do here in America. Like, I know that we still have some of like our native like people, like people here, but I don't see it as much here as I do over there. So whenever we were on our duck tour, they were um, taking us around. We got into some of the waters, and every time that we passed a volcano or we passed a lake, they had like a you know an old tribe used to be here, and like there was a you know one man from a tribe and one woman from another tribe that fell in love, and like something happened, and this is why these waters are here. Like it was just very cool to see that like they were so in tune with their like their nature and, and how their nature came to be kind of over there, which was really interesting. Cause I'm like, Oh, here's a lake. It's there. We dug it. <laughs> like, I don't know. It was just, you know, different than we have here in the United States. Right. Um, so after that, uh, we were freezing. We took a minute to just like warm up in the hotel. And then we went to a geothermal village that I wish I could tell you how they said it. 
but I can't. It was a very long word. I have a picture of it that I will be sure to send you. Cool. <laughs> um, and this was the place where we kind of saw how like the Aboriginal people lived. So they were full on like part of their their Aboriginal tribe, and their children did not go to the public schools in um, in New Zealand. They had their own schooling in their community. So when you entered the community, on both sides of you, there was boiling water on the ground because it was a geothermal village and, like, the water was literally boiling hot from the volcano. Yeah. So you could not touch it. They had it fenced off. Um, When we went in, there was, like, um, a big, the big, like, community building and it had um, kind of, like, totem pole type thing, like, sculptures and they came out and they greeted us and then we like they said a prayer to their to their gods um before we entered and wished us a a safe and happy time with them in their village it was very cool to see um and then we kind of just got a tour of their village they lived with like they didn't have electricity it was very simplified housing they had known the land so well that they had dug basically aqueducts from these boiling water areas and like every day, I don't know what time, like say at three o'clock when they knew that the water levels rose, it automatically filled up their like bathtubs that were just kind of in the middle of the community and people would come out and just get in the bath. We weren't there when they did that. So we didn't see anything. But like they were like, yes, we we don't have baths in our house. We all bath outside here together in these community bathtubs. I was like, whoa, that's fascinating to me. Like. I would never do that. But I like, mean, I, my first thought is that's that. really smart that they're able to use, like, yeah. fill up the, the community tubs. Like, that's so incredibly innovative. Yeah, it's so cool. And, like, the water's hot. Like, they know the, the time that the water's hot. And they, it was just fascinating to me because, like, I don't, I don't think that people live any other way than, than we do here. So when I see it, I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, I would have never thought that. Which so, is um, one of like my favorite parts about traveling is learning how yeah. other people live because, yeah, we, we always slip into that mindset like, yeah, we just assume people are living like us. But no, like people live differently in different places. Right. And and I mean, keep in mind, too, like there are people in New Zealand that are living like we are here. But there is I just feel like so many so many more people living like connected to nature. Um and in those Aboriginal cultures, at least at least from like where I live in Virginia, like I don't see a lot of that here. Like I'm sure that there's still very strong like places within our country that people do live like that. But I've I've never seen it, and I would love to see that like here. Um, they showed us uh, like one of their cemeteries, and because uh, of the volcanic you know grounds, they can't bury people below the ground, so they had their coffins all above ground and they had them decorated like, like so cool. And they say that they come, you know, every day at this time they come, they say their prayer to the gods. They like wish like eternal life over their people that are buried. And then they like walk away and, and give them their peace. So it was cool to see that too. Like I never even thought like they couldn't bury their people under the ground because it's a volcano and they would literally burn. So that was cool to see. Um, they also showed us how they, how they lived off the land. They cooked their food in the ground. So they dug a hole in the ground and because the ground was so hot in the morning, they would wrap their food in like, I don't know, not foil, like something from nature, like a, probably like a dry leaf. 
and they place their food in the ground. And then at the end of the day, they would lift off the lid from the from the ground that they dug and their food would be cooked. It was like a natural crock pot. It was so cool. That is awesome. As part of uh, as part of this experience, did you get to try any of the food? So, yes. Later that night, we drove to another. It was a Maori village, the Maori tribe. And this one was um, it was a it was a traveler like touristy village so it the people that were working here were not living here and they dressed up as their tribe for the excursion but then they maybe went home and didn't live the life as strongly as the the community that we went to earlier that day um before we left since we had you know high schoolers with us we were we had to have a very long and just not even just high schoolers, just anybody. We had to have a very long chat about what we were about to do. Cause even though the people, you know, weren't living there, they were still part of this tribe. I don't know if you've ever seen how they greet people in their tribe. They like hold, like they hold hands and then they like touch noses like three times. Um, so they, they greeted us like that. And they just said like, you can't laugh at this. Like it, seems funny to us but it's very serious to them and if you laugh you're going to be making fun of their culture so we had like a moment of seriousness where we were like do not laugh like don't disrespect them we're in their country like you know there's a time that you need to be serious and this is one of those times so they came out they had fire they were like spinning fire and like throwing things and like put on this like amazing show and then they came up to us and they they like touched faces Um, they also had a facial expression when they were kind of performing for us that like they would stick their tongue out and like wiggle their tongue really fast. And like, I mean, if you didn't know what it was, you would laugh because it to us looks funny because we've never, you know, seen that before. But over there, like that's part of their like, you know, just what they do. And so it was it was very cool to see. But it was also like very interesting that we had to have that talk and like and, and be warned because we didn't, we, we didn't, in, we would never intend to offend someone, but it's interesting to think how much we don't know and how we could offend someone unintentionally whenever you're in another country. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, I'm super glad like you guys did that. And, and that's important because to them, you know, like our way of living and, and habits that we have in our society may be funny to them. And I think being a good guest when, whenever you go somewhere and, and visit a different culture is super, super important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess what else? Did you do anything else in that community? Um, no, we just kind of like uh, they they performed for us like after they like cleaning up, they performed and did some like tribal dances and we got to watch that. Um, and then whenever we left on the bus, it was like probably 10 o'clock by the time we got home. So we just showered and went to bed for the night. Uh, at the end of that night for our last day the next day was our last full day without travel last full day so let's get to it let's get to day number 11 day 11 day number 11 was um still in rotorua which is the the like volcanic area and this day was not at all filled with any itinerary things so, so we, just like free time for you guys. Yeah. So we had a lot of different excursions. So every I'm going to drop the excursion that everyone that is a Hobbit fan is going to love. So if you know, if you like the Hobbit um, or what is it? Lord of the Rings. 
mm-hmm. which I don't know much about, but it was filmed there. And one of the excursions that the majority of the group went on was a tour of the, the Hobbit village. So uh, we drove everyone there and I got to like kind of like see it from the bus window, but I didn't get off. And I mean, it it is super cool. Like if I was into those videos, I would be like in my element. There were some really cool pictures that people came back with that and they got to do the Lord of the Rings tour. Um, there was a riverboat jet that took you on like a, on a river and it went really fast into these crazy fast turns. And then like it parked and you got to go back to like a, like a, like a swimming hole, but it was freezing outside. So I was like, I'm not doing that. My brother chose to do that. Uh, and he froze, but he said it was awesome. Like the boat was, the boat ride was crazy, but he's like, I froze. Like I was freezing when I was done. Um, and then me and only one other person, uh, opted to hike a volcano. So we got to do that. And I'm super glad that we did because it was probably like, I'm, I'm, tied between the bridge climb and this volcano hike for what my favorite thing was uh both super huge risks and super scary um two guys came and they were like driving a van and they picked us up in the in the hotel and we went over to uh like they drove us up the mountain and then after they drove us up the mountain like there was a really shady uh porta potty that they were like you might want to use that if you want to in case you have to go because there's nowhere else and I was like oh I guess I gotta go it was like literally in the woods like little pieces of wood like standing up so worth it but didn't love that part <laughs> didn't love it but it was worth it for what I was about to experience um we started to climb the volcano the higher up we got like it was ice capped so it was getting very um slippery and very difficult to climb once we reached the summit there were like 12 volcanoes like I could like turn around and everywhere I turned there were more volcanoes that I could see just like out and about like from the top of this volcano that I was standing on which was super cool um I got my picture at the sign like we reached the summit um and then we actually got to go down into the crater and I was terrified because it was like almost a 90 degree drop like I was like we have to walk down that and he's like yeah he's like we have to teach you how to walk down this like you're not going to be hooked up to anything like if you if you fall forward like you're falling the whole way down and like you're going to get hurt and I was like oh my god is this where my life ends like (laughs) is this where I'm going to die I took a picture of that craziness that I had to climb down and then we got back into the truck drove home and then we packed and that was our whole day, like that last excursion. But it was a great way to end off the the trip. So despite that climb being a little steep, you think you made the right decision on that excursion? Oh, absolutely. And I showed a couple people uh, that went on that like riverboat ride um, what I did. And they were like, oh, man, we wish we would have done that instead. And like the, the pictures that I got were like absolutely amazing. I would do it again in a heartbeat. Cool. That's, the, that's the hard thing. Like knowing I'm going back, like I want to, I want to re-experience everything I experienced, but at the same time I want to do something new. So it's going to be that hard balance of like, do I want to do this again or do I want to do something different? That's, yeah. That's where I'll. Cool. So you're done with the uh, excursion and that caps off day 11, right? Mm-hmm. That caps it off. And that was your last full day. So let's get to day 12. 
12. Day 12. What a sad day. Um, so it was early morning. We, our flight wasn't until like seven, like 7 PM, but we had to go to the airport early, just ensure that everybody was there, go through like all of the security. We kind of hung out at the airport, um, a couple hours. Um, and it was funny cause our, we boarded the plane at seven, seven nineteen or something. And we were supposed to land back in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania on the same day, 10 minutes after. So it was like, we, there was a running joke, like, Oh, we'll be, we'll be done in 10 minutes. And we were like, ah, like yeah. this is going to be another hours of flying. Like you guys so, are time travelers or something. Yeah. It was so weird. Cause the, on the way there, we skipped an entire day. Like we never lived that day. And then on the way back, like, even though we flew for 24 hours, we really only lost, or like, we only really lost 10 minutes. Like, we boarded, and then 10 minutes later on the same day, we got off in, in our country. That was cool. That's really cool. Now, I have a few uh, follow-up questions about your trip. Um, you mm-hmm. you went to some really cool places, Cannes, Sydney, uh, Auckland, and Rotorua, and some other places. Do you have a favorite place, city, or, like, region that you visited yeah so funny you ask whenever i originally went on this trip i had no intentions of ever liking new zealand i wanted to go because it was australia and i wanted to see australia and i thought this was gonna be the greatest thing ever but i fell in love with new zealand specifically rotorua um i loved i i loved seeing like the aboriginal cultures and seeing how connected everyone was with nature I think I partially loved it because it's so different than what I'm used to. And it was just such a cool experience. And the it was just the most beautiful place I've ever been. And I know that we've both been to Ireland and Ireland is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It was Ireland on steroids. It oh. was just, it was so breathtaking. It was gorgeous. Interesting. Just, I mean, what about the rest of the, you say Rotorua was in particular really gorgeous. Um, what about other places on your tour? Did you find it like pretty landscape? I did. Yeah. I mean, we only saw Auckland and and then that place. Um, Auckland just had a lot more like um, structures like built. So it wasn't, I didn't get the chance to see as much like open nature because there was a lot more like, I don't know, like more like city-ish type living there. So it wasn't like look out the window and see like mountains and open space. It was like, oh, there's the grocery store. Like, so, I mean, I'm sure that like parts of Auckland that we didn't get a chance to see were still gorgeous, but I just love the more like rural parts of New Zealand. Cool. So one of the things I always notice when I travel and it always kind of blows me away is like how people are, you know, how, what their tendency is as, as humans. I mean, I think people are good all over the world, but you know, they have a different way of living. Can you talk a little bit about maybe what the Australian people and what the New Zealanders uh, are kind of like as, as, a, as a group? Yeah, I mean, so we saw two di- very different groups of people. We saw, as I keep talking about, like the Aboriginal cultures that are just so connected to nature. But then you have the people, you know, that are like us that aren't like part of any specific like culture or tribe and they just are living their lives like we do here um everyone was super nice you did not meet a mean soul anywhere on that trip people were very patient over there like 
I mean, I feel like over here we're a million miles an hour, wake up and rush to get through our daily lives. And over there, I mean, you still saw a little bit of that, especially in the city, but it's just everybody seemed kind of like laid back and super nice and just very helpful, like everywhere you went. That's awesome. And now you've alluded to this a few times as we were talking, but you love this trip so much that you have booked uh, another trip to Australia in 2022 with EF Tours, right? I have, yes. The trip is slightly different. It's a slightly different um, itinerary and heartbreaking for anyone who's interested. The one place that I chose to cut is uh, Cairns, which is where you got to hold the koala and see the Great Barrier Reef, which is crazy. But I added on Fiji as the other experience extension so we'll be spending several days uh not several probably two or three days in fiji instead but you still get all of new zealand still get all of sydney um and then you get fiji on the trip i just needed to switch it up just a little bit to get something else new in on my travel so that i'm not going over and doing the exact same thing but yeah i would say like even though um when i market this trip everyone's like oh you're not going to see the great barrier reef and i'm like no, um, that was definitely like not even close to the top of my list on like the amazing things that we did. And it was so hard to choose what I wanted to cut. And that was the one that it ended up being because the other amazing experiences like hiking those volcanoes and climbing the Sydney bridge and doing all those things. I was like, I guess this is the one that I have to cut out because I want to get something new in there. So that is one part of the trip that is not going to be happening in 2022. Now, do I have this right? Last time you went to Australia, this trip that we reviewed today, you went as mm-hmm. a standard traveler, but this time you're a group leader, right? Yeah. So I went as a standard traveler. I was an adult traveler. So adults, like if you're over the age of 21, you're considered an adult. And until then you're considered a student, which is nice because the price is cheaper. Um, but I, so I went as an adult traveler, but I didn't have any of the you know, the jobs and the tasks, I could just kind of do whatever I wanted, you know, pick my own excursions. Um, but yeah, I, I was not in charge of anything, which was nice. Great. So you can you actually send me the link so I can include it on the show notes for how to travel with you? Yeah. Because listen, guys, if you're out there, Alex is clearly somebody who's done this trip before is passionate about travel. And she's going to make sure that you are set up and good to go on this trip. So if you could throw me uh, that link, I will put it in the show notes so people can sign up to travel with you as their group leader. Sure. Absolutely. That'd be awesome. All right, Alex, thank you so much for doing a destination rewind of your trip to Australia and New Zealand. Uh, I really appreciate you going over this awesome trip with, with me and with everyone else listening. Yes, thank you. It was fun to relive it. I miss it. A big DBE thank you to Alex for sharing her amazing trip with us. Remember, Kaleidoscope Adventures is putting on a wonderful event on October 15th with marketing professional Cynthia Johnson that is focused on ways to grow your personal brand. Check the show notes to register for that. And don't forget to type in the promo code DBE when you sign up so you can receive a very generous discount. Check out DBE on the socials and visit the DBE website if you haven't gotten the chance to explore that yet. 
It's dbetravel.com, and it has all of my episodes that I've recorded and some insightful blog posts. If you wish to support DBE with a small financial donation, you can do so through Patreon. There's a link on the DBE website that takes you right to the podcast's Patreon page. Well, that is all I've got for this week. I hope all is well, and I will talk to you soon. Destinations Beyond Expectations is brought to you by Kaleidoscope Adventures. If you need help planning your next student group trip, Kaleidoscope Adventures is the name you need to know. Visit them at www.mykatrip.com or give them a call at 800-774-7337 when you're ready to plan your next school trip. Again, that's www.mykatrip.com or call them at 800-774-7337.